Welcome to the CEC Report. It's the 15th of June. I'm Robert Barwick and I'm joined today by the CEC's candidate for the Perth by-election, Barry Mason. Welcome, Barry. It's great to be here, Robbie. Good. In this week's CEC Report, Glass-Steagall will be introduced in Australia's Parliament this month. Sudden density of warnings of financial crash and Kim and Trump take great step down pathway to peace. So first, Glass-Steagall will be introduced in Australia's Parliament this month. And Barry, you've joined us on our show on a great day. We've got this excellent news, um, which means the work that we've been doing and you've been doing, the CEC has been doing, you the viewer has been doing, that we've encouraged you to do, contact your Member of Parliament, contact your Member of Parliament, contact your Member of Parliament. It works. We now have a seconder for the bill that the CEC drafted for Glass-Steagall separation of Australia's banks which Bob Catter said he will introduce, but he needed a seconder. Andrew Wilkie, MP from Tasmania, has said he will second the bill. Yep. So that'll be introduced on the 25th of June. They'll give notice next week, and then on the 25th of June, that will be introduced. So let me just emphasize again, this process works. A lot of people, Barry, um, maybe even even say something about this, because I, I, you know, you've done it, but sometimes people would feel, oh, is it, you know, is it a waste of time? Politicians are a waste of time. Would you bother doing that? Well, I don't think so because we see it's worked. How do you feel about it? Oh, it's, it's no doubt that it works. I mean, China's had their, uh, their Glass-Steagall legislation since the, uh, uh, the 90s. No, exactly. And, and any movement over history, people would see that any movement, it's only a small amount of people um, putting the pressure on the uh, on the politicians yeah, yeah. that have forced these movements over the years. No, so that's right. It so can we, work. It so can we work. clarify that? You, yeah. you, you know, they keep getting the message from the public that this is what they want, yeah. right? It clarifies in their mind. They look into it and then they can see things like you just said about, you know, it's worked for China, it, it can work for the world. I also want to point out that it coincides with a very important development in Europe where the Italian government, the new Italian government, the Prime Minister gave a speech the other day where he laid out the, in the parliament, he laid out their program, and in his speech laying out the program that they're going to legislate is a Glass-Steagall separation of banks. Now this makes Italy the first government, or Western government, I yep. should say, I'd, yep. uh, clarify, since the crash, which proved we need to Glass-Steagall back, um, to say, okay, we're going to do it. And I also want to point out, this is worth saying, because from a political perspective kind of thing, Italy's government is a coalition of a very right-wing party and a very left-wing party. Yep. Now, ordinarily, you're told to you, the system wants you to hate your political opponents, right? You know, they're the enemy, they're the devil, or whatever. And there's obviously there's good reasons to have disagreements on those things that make you, you know, that you oppose in them. But there's always common ground. Yep. And if we don't let the, the the system, the media, and the and the, um, the the elites play that divide and conquer game. And you can get left and right working together. Then we can have a, we can take on our common enemy, which for the whole of humanity is the banking power. Absolutely, right? what they've been allowed to get away with for, for way too long. So this is great. And in Australia, history is going to be made in on the twenty fifth of June when it gets introduced here. Um, so again, be proud of what you've done to help. Let's keep doing it. We need to. Net, that's the first step. Getting it introduced means it's in the ballpark, right? It's 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 now in play. We have to get it debated, we have to get it passed. So the work is not done. If you've made calls, make more calls, yep. right? Let's keep the pressure on. So now, 
let me introduce Barry, because Barry, we've invited Barry to Melbourne to, for this purpose, right? And the timing was great because we, we didn't know when this would happen in Parliament. Um, Barry, you're the CEC's candidate for the seat of Perth in the by-election. That should be on the 28th of July. Well, we hope so. It, unless Malcolm Turnbull pulls a Swifty, yeah, right? that's right. So, now, the CEC report goes live to air on Channel 44 in Perth, right? So, for, the, for those viewers in Perth, I want you to pay close attention to this segment. Um, Barry, tell us about yourself and how you got interested in politics. Uh, 57. Uh, divorced with uh, two lovely girls and uh, have two grandkids as well. And uh, born and bred, Perth, WA. Couldn't find a better place on the planet. But, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Melbourne's are getting a little bit cold for me. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, uh, I, I was in a, in a relationship which ended and, um, and not giving tips or anything. It was just my way of handling things is and to take your mind and f focus on something else was to get into what i've always liked and that's history okay and uh, history of various things but you've got the the romans the greeks and that sort of stuff but um, with the technology these days and the and the, the explosion of information that just snowballed and it went from the history of of um, you know, money to our debt-based monetary system to yep. wars and then all of a sudden it was, we're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then how did you come across us, the CEC? Well, gathering that information and thinking, my God, we're, Western society is, is really in bad trouble. But there, there's a lot of information out there and some of it ill-informed. Yep. And you need to be able to separate what's, yep. you know, what's correct. I mean, some of it to a degree is correct, but some of it is, is, is not. So... Um, I called in to see my mother, and she was flicking on the TV, right. flicking the channels, and she stopped on channel 44, and there was yourself and, and Craig, and I'm sitting there listening to it, and I'm going, my God, that's exactly what I've been studying for, for the last two or three years, and, and doing research for myself, because we've all got family. Yeah, yeah. but you're... Just to clarify, you're not being paid by Channel 44 to advertise them. This is a genuine <laughs> testimonial of Channel 44. Well, I haven't received the cheque yet. Okay. So. <laughs> so there you go, Channel 44 viewers. Yeah. Keep watching it and spread the word. But then, and, and of course, uh, on Channel 44, as Craig, Craig said and yourself said that day, they were coming to Perth and to, to hold a meeting at the South Perth uh, Bowling Club. So I went along to that meeting and um, prior to the uh, commencement of the meeting, I introduced myself to, to Craig and said, this is what I'm. I'm been looking at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gathering this information, and this is what. And we're in a lot of trouble. And Craig looked at me and he said, uh, "Yep." Well, so now you have stepped forward. You volunteered to be our candidate in the uh, Perth by-election, and I know that we've sort of a, we've defined a platform for you, but it was defined around Craig saying to you, Barry, what do you want to run on? So what are the what are the the main policies that you're running on in this by-election? The, the, the entire financial system's got to be sorted out. And the only way you can do that and separate the, the criminal activities and goings-on is to separate the banks. There's no other way of doing yep. it. You know, we've heard different governments talk about their ring fencing and that sort of stuff, and that doesn't work. It's been proven it doesn't yep. work. So Glass-Steagall is the only way. There's no other way to, to do it effectively. And that's the good description. You're separating out the criminal activity because people have to see it in those terms. Yeah. And I think you have another idea of how you would um, 
uh, handle that criminal activity as well. Yeah, we've got to oh, we've got to bring in national banking. Yeah, yeah, and, and which will put uh, uh, money into the economy, big uh, big scale infrastructure spending to to create the jobs. It's necessary to keep the economy going. And that I think that's particularly. I mean, it's it's relevant for the whole world. But Perth is, you know, the the mining centre, and yeah. it's, you know, describe what it's like there now since the mining boom. Big mining, but we're also in. We're very far away from, from, yeah. from everywhere else. I mean, if it wasn't for the mining boom supported by, by China, I mean, we would have been in a lot of trouble after 2008. And, um, but China, with their own Glass-Steagall and their own banking, you know, full banking separation and keeping the, um, the criminality out of the system, yeah. enabled them to really have the money to spend around the world to prop the world up over the last 10 years. That's right. So, so because China does the thing, those things, yeah. we get to benefit, whereas we could benefit more directly if we did those if things ourselves. If we did them ourselves, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, well, um, thanks, Barry. I'll say to the viewers, the Perth viewers on YouTube and Channel 31, Barry's going to need your help for this campaign, right? And again, it's we, we have to see whether Malcolm Turnbull pulls a Swifty and calls a general election, but if... but Presuming it's on, yeah. um, it's not about like we don't. When the CEC runs campaigns like this, we don't get ahead of ourselves and fantasise that we're going to win. But what we can do is uh, make Glass Steagall such an issue in the campaign that it's completely branded on whoever does win. Yeah, <laughs> right. When they go back to Parliament, and who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Um, you can't rule out that something extraordinary might happen, and Barry Mason might be the might, might be the member for Perth in a um, in a, in a future. In, in the next parliament. Um, and it was pointed out that I have to say this because it's quite humorous. A lot of our viewers know that the APRA bill passed, the bill that introduced ba the anti-Glass-Steagall policy yeah. of bail-in, right, yeah. passed our parliament without a vote, without on the voices in the House and on the voices in the Senate. Um, and uh, the discussion we just had this morning is, who knows, we might get Glass-Steagall Passed the same way. Wouldn't that be on the, ironic? On the voices. On the voices. Yeah. Now you can bet your bottom dollar it won't happen because the system is geared against it. No. But um, never give up hope that yeah. we can actually achieve this. We're not doing this for a, a um, just because it's you know uh, let's have a try at something good. Yeah. We can win this. Yeah, right? absolutely. So we need your help in Barry's campaign. Barry's going to need your help to get involved. Contact the contact details of how to contact Barry are on the screen right now. So contact him on email or on telephone and get involved in Barry's campaign. So Barry, thanks very much for joining us. We'll take a quick break now. When we come back, Craig Isher will join me and we'll talk about the latest developments in the financial system. To find out more about what you've just listened to, go to www.cecaust.com.au or call the CEC on our toll-free number 1800 636 432 for a free copy of the Australian Alert Service. Welcome back to the CEC Report. Sudden density of warnings of financial crash. And Craig, we've got a bit to talk about, but just quickly, um, what's your reaction to the news that Glass Steagall is going to be introduced? Oh, Robbie, it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, we've been campaigning for this for so long. You know, sometimes you can't believe it's happening, but look, this is a reflection of the seriousness of some people taking 
yeah. what's taking place in the global financial crisis, which has not been solved. So it's su surprising in one sense, but not surprising in the other because no, it's lawful. That's it's right. lawful. Yeah. Um, and also before we get in, just to remind viewers, anything we discuss on the show is elaborated in the CEC's weekly magazine, the Australian Alert Service. So call in on our toll-free number to get a free copy of that if you want more information. I don't information. think Robbie, people can fully understand the, the gravity of what's taking place in the world or the exciting changes without reading that. Yep. All right. So I want to highlight, Craig, just in the last few days, three headlines, right? The first was from the 8th of June Washington Post, and the headline was, Beware the Mother of All Credit Bubbles by Steve Perlstein. And in that article, he, he wrote this. He goes, quote, it's happening again. This time it's not households using cheap debt to take cash out of their overvalued homes. Rather, it is giant corporations using cheap debt and a one-time tax windfall to take cash from their balance sheets and send it to shareholders. Once again, they are diverting capital from productive, long-term investments to further inflate a financial bubble. This one in corporate stocks and bonds that, when it bursts, will send the economy into another great recession. Mm. And um, I, I, one point I want to make about that, um, just following on from what Barry Mason said in the previous episode, you know, Australia at the moment benefits from the fact that China has Glass-Steagall, has a productive economy, puts a lot of investments into infrastructure, and we're our raw materials-based economy, which we shouldn't be, but that's all we are, we get to have sales as a result of that, right? So that's what yeah. they're doing the right thing, is keeping us alive. Well, the speculative financial system in Australia is also superficially benefiting from what that paragraph just went through in the United States, where they look like they've got a stock market roaring and all this kind of stuff, and it's all fake. But on the back of that fakeness, Craig, the Federal Reserve twits are going, oh, look, the economy's great, stock market's booming, let's raise interest rates. Well, they're about, that's lobbing a grenade into you know a fireworks factory, yeah. right? And that's this is well, kind of what that's warning about. Yeah, they're what they're doing, Robbie, is they're taking cheap credit. You know, you've seen all this money being pumped in from quantitative easing. These companies in the U.S. in particular, and they're uh, taking that cheap credit. They're using that internally to then uh, to to borrow cheaply to uh, buy back their own shares. Yeah, not do anything productive. Nothing at all. So what's happening is there's actually a shortage of these shares. So in terms of companies wanting to invest in actual uh, real companies, there's, there's nothing to the, the, the price of these shares is being forced up and up and up and up. And you can look at the insane levels of the stock market. Well, this is what's happening. And this is why the stock markets are over, you know, overinflated. And a lot of their, with these executives, Craig, that make these decisions, a lot of their bonuses are tied to their share price. That's right. Right? So it's great for them, but they let the economy well, go to rack and ruin. See, the idea result. of shares, Robbie, initially is you have a company, you issue shares to raise capital in order to create profits and, because you're producing something, yeah. right? But that's not going on anymore. It's actually the reverse. No, that's and right. And that's why this is such a dangerous bubble is because the debt levels and a, lot, and, and a large number of these companies is so great that their income no longer covers the repayments. And when they raise rates, it's already bad. There's about 20% of... Um, corporations in America, they call them zombie corporations, where their debt servicing, because they've got so much debt, $5 debt for every dollar of earnings, the servicing on that is more than their earnings, yeah. right? And if they raise interest rates because they fool themselves, oh, look, the economy's great, that's going to blow that up, and it's going to, 40% of the money that is in that our banks lend into the property market here, Craig, comes from overseas, mm -hmm. that's going to raise interest rates on all those borrowers, and that's going to blow our 
property market up. Right? Well, I mean, this is all part of the overall deregulation of the financial system, the takedown of Glass-Steagall and everything. If you, what's, it, what's allowed to happen now is that this speculation is considered normal, it's considered legal, right? Yeah, Derivatives, for example, the which are these things that no one can ever explain. These things were illegal in the, before the 90s. Now they're considered normal business. They were illegal. <laughs> the places where they were illegal, remember, they were illegal under the same laws that banned gambling. That's right. And so that's all the, they are. What happened is now you've got a system which is based on gambling. What's happening with the corporate bonds is gambling. So this is why this entire system is going to come down, because yeah. the actual funding of productive activity, long-term investments into manufacturing, into uh, processes that produce more and more goods for, for people, that's actually disappearing. All right. Next headline. Uh, the next two are from here in Australia, Craig. 13th of June, Sydney Morning Herald. Brace yourself. Why the fallout from the next global financial crisis will be much worse. And this is by Satyajit Das, who's an expert in things like derivatives. He used to work at the Commonwealth Bank and other banks, etc. Um, we don't have much time to go through the details of what he's saying, but I'll just to Pracey, he goes... This is a quote, no one can predict how bad the next financial crisis will be. What's certain though is that a lack of liquidity will make the fallout much worse. And what he's saying is everyone's got these lovely bets at the moment, but when they all figure out that, hang on, there's a problem with those and they think, oh, well, I know that, I'm going to sell, get out of that. Well, by the time they figure that out, everyone else will have figured out the same thing and there won't be enough people to sell them to. That's right. right? It's called liquidity. And it, when you have a, a contraction like that, that's like 1929, 2008, all over again. Um, and then the final headline is from the Financial Review is an Australian financial crisis on the cards by Patrick Cummings. And this is also from the 13th of June. And he is quoting Capital Austra Economics Chief Australia Economist Paul Dales, who's, who's produced a, uh, a new report, quote, is a financial crisis looming? And Dales says in his report, Economic history shows that there is usually a consequence of a prolonged period of rapidly rising debt. The only question is, how bad will the consequences be? And then uh, he elaborates more. He goes, there's always a chance of something horrible happening. And he's talking about, he's emphasising the property market in Australia, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. There's always a chance of something horrible happening. But the risk of a bad outcome has risen due to two things. And he points out the house prices in Australia are now falling. And that's going to catch a lot of people out. Um, and there's, he, the way he puts it is there's significantly tighter credit conditions because of the Royal... A lot of this is being blamed on the Royal Commission. All the Royal Commission has done is make banks start following the law. Mm -hmm. Right? Because it shows you that the bubble we built, a lot of it was based on illegal lending. And the combination of those two things, if, they're not, if they can't find excuses to keep flooding the system with their kind of fake credit, then you, you're heading for a crash, right? And when you see this, that's what, the reason we call this segment density of warnings. When you, that's what people got to see. There's a density of warnings now, right? This is the reality in which we have been pushing so hard for Glass-Steagall. It's what makes it urgent. Yeah, Robbie, you know, the last global financial crisis was caused by collateralised debt obligations, these CDOs. Yep. The new one is collateralised loan obligations. And these CLOs... <laughs> well, what's the difference? Well, there's no difference, and that's the point. These CLOs are going... They're being sold through, you know, yeah, yeah, massively yeah, 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 at the moment. Yeah, yeah. This is the same scenario as prior to the global financial And the next one will be collateralised IOU obligations, because I'll just keep coming up with, with synonyms for debt, yeah. but it's the same thing. Okay. Thanks. When we come back, let's take a break. We're going to talk about the good news of the week. 
North Korea and Trump. To find out more about what you've just listened to, go to www.cecaust.com.au or call the CEC on our toll-free number 1800 636 432 for a free copy of the Australian Alert Service. Welcome back to the CEC Report. Finally, Kim and Trump take great step down pathway to peace. And Craig, this is seriously good news. Yeah. You wouldn't necessarily know it from the professional media, the professional political class, the way they're, they're cynical commentary on it. The CEC's headline for the Alert, Australian Alert Service this week was where there's a will for peace, there's a way. Because what actually ended up happening is Donald Trump, not Kim, He'd already done it. Donald Trump removed the obstacles for peace because the biggest obstacles for peace were actually on the American side. And apparently, we were briefed this morning that um, since the early 90s with the Clinton administration, there's been, a, there's been a standing offer that the North Korean president would meet with an American president and every president has refused because, oh, no, 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 that'll give legitimacy. We decide who's a legitimate regime and who's not because we're America, and that gives legitimacy to it, so we're not going to do that. Trump's the first guy to come along and say, stuff that, I want to solve this problem, I'm going to meet with him, right? And the result has been brilliant. Um, Trump has been described as a wild card president who breaks the conventional rules. And what that allowed him to do was cut the Gordian knot here. Um, mainly, the big thing he said was, we're going to end these military drills. And those are very provocative. He called them provocative. He admitted that, that have been stopping it. So some of the cynical commentary is, how can we trust North Korea to keep its promise? But more thoughtful people have said, well, hang on, North Korea, you know, you really got to say, well, how can North Korea trust the United States to keep its promise, right? Like they just scrapped the Iran deal, for instance. Mm. And that's where there is actually... Even though Trump was the one who scrapped the Iran deal, there's an answer to that. And Trump has said so, and Mike Pompeo, his Secretary of State, has said so. They want this to be a treaty. They want it as a treaty, right? Mm -hmm. And if this is a treaty that America's Congress has to ratify, it can't be changed, right? right. So that's where the assurance is going to come from. Um, we, I, I want to highlight two things that Australia has done, though. Right? Our foreign minister has weighed in on this just in a speech overnight. And this is the kind of thing that's going to sabotage this, right? So um, she's basically said the only thing that brought Kim to the negotiating table was the excruciating pressure of the, um, uh, the sanctions, etc. We can't trust them at all. Um, uh, and he said, so she said, I would not be lifting my foot off the throat of North Korea until I saw very concrete steps that this time they were genuine. Well, that goes against what Trump has himself said. Right? He's, he's changed his attitude on that. Australia's still pushing the other side. So this is, this is no, that's, that's the kind of thing that's going to be sabotaged. We should not let our government get away with that. Um, but, Craig, uh, just because, just, you know, uh, it's worth reporting, there's a, this is a good news thing, and I want to end this segment on a humorous development, yeah, no, right? Yeah, that's very good. Because um, back in the UK, the foreign minister there, Boris Johnson, saw Trump's success, and he was overheard saying maybe we should get Trump to negotiate Brexit. And so Jeremy Corbyn, who is a also like Trump, an outsider, right, and who would also genuinely make changes, etc. He, um, this is not that important what he did, but it was quite funny. It's worth seeing. He asked Theresa May a question about this in Parliament. So just have a quick look at this video. Mr. Speaker, when the Prime Minister met uh, President Donald Trump last week, 
Did she do as the Foreign Secretary suggested and ask him to take over the Brexit negotiations? <laughs> So these developments are, are enjoyable at the moment, Craig. Oh, look, Robbie, they're very good news and they're hilarious from Theresa May. But look, people need to get involved in this process. They need to support Barry Mason's campaign. Look, his details are on the screen now. But people also need to read more about this by getting a copy of our Australian Alert Service so they can fully understand everything that's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, well, the, the details are in there. So we've run out of time. Thanks for joining us, Craig. Thank Thanks you, for Robbie. tuning in to this week's CSC Report. Tune in next week for more. Mm -hmm.